Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Spen Harris, and I am I'm riding solo today. Nick, my co-host and younger brother, just got back from a trip. He was in Spain for a wedding. He was in Portugal for fun. Now that he's back, he's got rehearsal every single night up until his show, which is next Saturday, next Saturday will be June 10th. If you're in Manhattan, you want to see Nick Shanman's comedy sketch show, I Mostly Blame Myself. Their next show is June 10th. I will be there. He will be starring in his own show. Uh, it's it's quite a show. I've, I've talked about it a lot on this podcast. Very funny. Very politically incorrect humor. If you like crude humor, that's disgusting and gross. And, you know, every single just fucked up joke you can think of uh definitely see this show this this show is for you but he's not with us tonight so i am riding solo we do have a lot to get to today and we have to start with the game seven let down by the boston celtics miami after losing three straight two in miami one in boston they come back to boston for game seven and they get the job Done. I I mean, this game was a game up until Jason Tatum twisted his ankle uh, within the first 60 seconds of the game. And after that, the Celtics were were, were just searching for offense. The Heat won this one 103 to 84. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 28 points for him. He was phenomenal. Caleb Martin easily could have won MVP of this series. It was Jimmy Butler who, who, who claimed that award. Uh, but Caleb Martin was incredible. 26 points, 10 rebounds for him. Um, Gabe Vincent chipped in 10. Duncan Robinson chipped in 10 off the bench. Bam Adebayo had 12 and 10, although he didn't have a great game. Uh, the Heat were really carried by by Butler and, and Martin. On the Celtics side of things, they shot 21% from three. It, it just seemed like their offense was completely out of sorts once everybody realized that Tatum was about 30%. He still, he still ended up with um, 14 points, 5 of 13 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3. He gave him 11 rebounds. He did everything he could. I mean, you saw him grimacing after every play. Even, you know, he had a, a fast break layup. He looked like he was hurting after that. Um, it was a lot less satisfying to watch the Celtics lose, not at full strength. I'm going to be honest with you. I know everybody's banged up. I, I know Jimmy's got some uh, – He's got a knee, but nobody was as hurt as Jason Tatum in that game. I think it was pretty obvious. Um, so I, I feel sorry for him. He's the only guy I feel sorry for on the Celtics. Jalen Brown was absolutely atrocious. Eight turnovers, 19 points. He had he was eight of 23 from the field, one of nine from three-point range. His handle looked bad. His shot selection looked bad. His decision-making looked bad. Now, mind you, this is a guy that Boston is going to give the max to. They have to. The Supermax, I think it is, because he made an all-NBA team, so now he's eligible. Um, but he was terrible in this series, and he had a really, really bad Game 7. The only guy who, who kind of showed up for the Celtics was Derek White. 18 points, 
for him. Five of 12 from the field. He gave the Celtics a spark in that third quarter when, when they desperately needed one. Um, but a lot of isolation basketball, a lot of just not being able to get consistent stops on the defensive end. And just, just the fact that they didn't have a healthy Jason Tatum, I think that led to the Celtics downfall in game seven. Now, I am absolutely jubilant about this. Uh, anytime that the Celtics don't reach the NBA Finals, I think us as Nets fans should do a little dance, considering that we gave them their future or their we gave them their their current regime back in the day with the Paul Pierce KG trade. Um, so up until they they win a championship with this core, I won't ever concede that we lost that trade. Have they had more success than us over the last? I don't know. 13 years, it's been about 10 years since that trade. Absolutely. They're the more successful franchise uh, by a long shot throughout the history of of the NBA and and in the last 10 years. Uh, But until they win that championship, uh, I'm going to be a happy camper as a Nets fan. Um, And this was huge. I I, I mean, this was such such an incredible series in terms of just the momentum. You know, the Heat go up 3-0 right away. You think it's over. The Celtics have this don't let us get one mentality. They rip off three straight just to get disappointed in game seven by Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin. And, and Jimmy Butler, you know, a lot of people are going to talk about how great he is. I, I think he's he's a fantastic playoff performer. Obviously shows up in the playoffs a little bit more in the regular season. I didn't like how he pretty much didn't he didn't guarantee it, but he said they were going to win after every loss and they they lost three straight. That kind of bothered me. I don't know why it bothered me. It just did. Don't say you're going to do something and then not do it. And then when you eventually do it, you know, I'm seeing those videos of of him saying, oh, we're going to be from last season when he said, we're going to be back here. We're going to have enough to get the job done. Uh, I respect that. He could have closed it out in four. He could have gave his his team, you know, three additional or four additional games of rest. And that didn't happen. So now uh, a heat team that's pretty banged up to begin with, Coming off a seven-game series, act two, no, the Celtics went to seven games before the, the the Heat went six games with the Knicks, I believe. They're coming off a seven-game series, having to play against Denver, who just swept the Lakers. Um, but back back to Boston, Nets fans, let's let's rejoice. This this was was big. If you're a Nets fan, just it's nice to see Boston lose. It just is. And this has been an awesome postseason for Nets fans. Can we be real here? Two guys that I know Nets fans didn't want to give up and Bruce Brown and Jeff Green are now playing with the Denver Nuggets and they have a chance to win a championship. And obviously it's outside of Brooklyn and that sucks. But these are two guys that did nothing but right by the Nets franchise. We didn't offer Bruce Brown a contract. I'll get into that in a little, in a, a little bit later in the show. And Jeff Green was a guy, he was probably our, our second most consistent player in that Milwaukee Bucks series outside of Kevin Durant. He was great, Jeff Green. So. For Nets fans, that's great to see, but it was also awesome to see our crosstown rival, the New York Knicks, lose, who, let's face it, we think about them, they think about us. They can say they don't think about us, but when they talk about us and they and they reference us and they say things like Big Brother and We Own New York and whatever they say, they're thinking about us, okay? It's a two-way street. We think about each other. We're like those two kids in high school that have that sort of tense passive aggressive relationship they they respect each other a little bit but they could they could throw punches at any given moment that's the relationship that we have with the New York Knicks so was happy to see them go down to Miami was happy to see Boston go down to Miami and of course 
I was happy to see Philadelphia and James Harden go down to Boston in that second round. So overall, this is the best case scenario for, for the Brooklyn Nets, even though we got swept in the first round by Philly. I want to acknowledge that it did happen, but I digress. Very, very happy that the Celtics lost this series. So we move on. The finals is set. The Miami Heat, the eighth seed, win the East, an improbable run. They, they, they lost their first play-in game against Atlanta. They come back. They beat Chicago. They upset Milwaukee in the first round, and then they they, they move on to beat the Knicks and, and then eventually the, the Celtics. Um, just, a, just a crazy run by the Miami Heat. Give Eric Spolstra, their coach, a lot of credit. Easily one of the best coaches in the game. And, and this, you know, along with that 2020 bubble championship run in which they lost to the Lakers, this has been an incredible run for the Miami Heat. The fact that, you know, Spolster's doing this without guys like Tyler Hero and, and Victor Oladipo who have played big roles for this team in the past. Um, just a credit to him. He's, he's done an amazing coaching job. And then in the West, you have the team that's that's been the best team the entire year in the Denver Nuggets. Um, they just play such a beautiful brand of offensive basketball, spearheaded by their two-time MVP center in Nikola Jokic. I'm glad to see him get in the national spotlight. This was a guy that, as Michael Malone says, has so much disrespect the last two years. People did not want to give him the award. They thought Embiid deserved it. This year, Embiid finally wins it. You look at the playoffs, who's still alive, right? Embiid lost a seven-game series up 3-2 against Boston, and Nikola Jokic is, is sitting in the finals looking good after a clean sweep of LeBron, after a six-game series with Phoenix. Um, after a five-game series in Minnesota, he has been the best player in these in, in these playoffs by far. Um, you 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 pair him with a Jamal Murray, who obviously has something to prove. He's been playing really solid basketball this postseason, and then they just have a lot of really excellent role players who, on other teams, Aaron Gordon was was a top two guy on the Magic, you know, when he was coming up. He's the Nuggets' fifth best player maybe i'd say that michael porter jr and um i i like bruce brown that's more of a preference thing but you can make an argument that gordon is the fourth or fifth best player on this team Uh, michael porter jr has made really good decisions throughout this postseason you've seen him pass the ball a little bit he's hit some big shots he's been great contavious caldwell pope who, who, who normally starts for for the nuggets he's been awesome he's had some huge games for denver um I mentioned Bruce Brown coming off the bench. He gives them that same spark that he gave Brooklyn. He is he is such a, a Swiss Army knife, Bruce Brown. And now that he can hit the three, he's dangerous. So so you have this this group of six guys. Yes, Jeff Green sees the floor a little bit. You'll occasionally see Christian Brown, um, but realistically, this this team is about six deep. I don't think I'm I'm missing anyone there. Um, so really. I mean, a pretty lopsided matchup if you just look at the, the teams in terms of talent, in terms of production, experience. Um, this, this Nuggets team is 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 more talented than Miami. It's it's a David versus Goliath scenario we got. It's the one seed versus the eight seed. It's the best team versus the team that snuck in and has had to fought, fight and claw their way to this championship. Nothing has been easy for Miami, not the Milwaukee series, not the New York series, and definitely not this Boston series, but they, they found a way to get the job done. And, um, you know, I give them credit. 
looking at this series, I can see this going. Maybe Miami gets a game. Maybe they get maybe they get two, one in Miami, one in Denver. I don't see this game, this series being more than, than a six-game series. I think this is Denver's time. Jokic and Jamal Murray look like like they're poised to just take this thing um in five or six games. I think Mike Malone, outside of Spolstra, he's been a top three coach all season. Um, if I had to pick one other guy to to throw in there in that top three, I'd probably throw not Joe Mazzula, I'll tell you that much. Um I'll throw Darvin Ham in there. The 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 job that he did with the Lakers, uh, the fact that they were a makeshift team. I, I thought he did a really good job of uh, maximizing Austin Reeves's value there. Got Lonnie Walker some some minutes, and and the Lakers had a really deep team. So I, I give Darvin Ham a lot of credit. I'll, I'll say he was the third the third best coach this season. Um, but the finals is set. That's it. And guess what? It's another finals without your Brooklyn Nets. Yes, this is a Nets podcast, so we got to talk about about these Brooklyn Nets. You know, the one thing I'll say that sort of keeps me optimistic with the route that Sean Marks is going this offseason, which is we're not in a full rebuild. We're going to build around Mikhail Bridges. We're most likely going to pay Cam Johnson. This is a team that if you put the right pieces around Mikhail Bridges – and maybe you give him a 1B or a 1A, they can compete in the East. And I say that because you can see how broken the East was with that Game 7 loss last night. The Celtics are supposed to be the best team in the East. They they, they were poised for another championship run. Defensively, they, they have the guys. Offensively, they have the chemistry. And they added a guy like Brogdon, who was the sixth man of the year. They they looked lost in that game seven and, and the first three three games of the series, they looked lost and they were inconsistent this season. They had a lot of lapses on, on defense and, and they had a lot of moments where their offense just, it just sputtered and they did not look like a championship team for a large majority of this, of this year. Missoula got exposed. He looked like a rookie head coach. Okay. You look at the bucks, right? The bucks were the number one seed. They lose in the first round of the heat. Budenholzer is gone. They hired Toronto Raptors assistant, Adrian Griffin, I believe his name is. And we, yeah, Adrian Griffin. So he is the new head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, they're going to bring Giannis back. But again, there are a lot of question marks surrounding that team. The Sixers fired Doc Rivers, right? They just, they just hired Nick Nurse. Is James Harden going to leave? Is he going to stay? A lot of questions surrounding that team. You go down the list, the Cavs. How much better are the Cavs going to be? It kind of looked like this is their peak with Donovan Mitchell uh, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. I don't know how much better that Cavs team gets. Okay. The Knicks we're going, if you don't, if you can't tell what I'm doing, I'm, I'm going through each seed and I'm telling you that these teams are very flawed. Now, obviously everyone has an off season where they can bolster their roster, but you get to that six seed, six seed were the Brooklyn Nets, right? They, yes. They got swept by Philly in the first round, but this was a makeshift team. We had four new starters, after KD and Kyrie were, were traded, Nick Claxton was the only guy that stayed a starter after everything changed midseason for the Nets. Insert Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. Nick Claxton was the only Brooklyn Net in the starting lineup that was there the entire season. Obviously, you had a lot of guys on this roster like Royce O'Neal, like Patty Mills, um, like Joe Harris, who were designed 
to play with KD and Kyrie. And once that didn't happen, their roles all kind of got mishmashed. Seth Curry couldn't find a role on this team toward, towards the end of the season. There were, there were just way too many things out of place for this Nets team to have any success in the postseason. And when they, would, I, would I have liked to win a game or two against Philly? Absolutely. But it did it make did it make sense to me that they got swept, that they absolutely just got bum rushed by a Philly team that was probably playing like 75% to their potential in that series? Yeah, it, it made sense. You give Sean Marks an offseason to work, you know, with this team. Joe Sy is going to do what needs to be done money-wise to make this thing work. I, I do really think they're going to pay Cam Johnson. And guess what? Can the Nets compete for a championship next season? Maybe. Probably not. But I don't want to tell you definitely not. I don't think that's the answer. And I, I, I do think that the East is more open than it has been. Obviously, I think the Celtics are going to re-sign Jalen Brown to, to a big max contract, but that's not set in stone. That's something that can change. And again, you have Portland kind of holding all the cards right now, and we'll get into some Nets updates in a second. But they're a team that can really change the landscape of the Eastern Conference with what they decide to do with that number three pick and what they decide to do with Damian Lillard. So just things to keep in mind if you're a Nets fan. I know that a lot of people were gunning for a full rebuild. Hand up, I was one of them. I would have been okay trading bridges for the number two pick in the draft. I, I, I didn't want Brandon Miller. I want Scoot Henderson. That was the guy I wanted. Um, if you were able to make it work, great, but that's not the route that Sean Marks wants to go down. And I applaud him for that. I applaud him for sticking to his guns. He, he saw something when he traded Kevin Durant and Mikhail Bridges that said, you know what, I can, I can build around this guy. So with that said, let's get into some Nets updates for everybody. We'll start with a fun update. Royce O'Neal and David Duke Jr. Seen working out together, putting up shots. Uh, I thought that was a cool video. David Duke Jr. is one of those guys, if he sticks around this Nets organization when they actually start to get players, he's someone who can come in during the season, give them good minutes. He's a hard worker. If he ever sees postseason minutes, he can be an eighth or ninth guy. He really needs to improve his um, – his three-point shot, I think that's that's probably on his uh, on his list of, of, of things to improve on this offseason. But I, I thought that he's just been an extremely hard worker, and, and obviously he's bounced around between the Nets and the G League. Um, but you, you like to see you like to see videos like that, right? Of him working out with, with the veteran and Royce O'Neal, who I don't know if if Royce O'Neal comes back. That, that's a guy that. You know, the Nets could look to trade. He can be a valuable piece for a contender. Um, and I'm sorry, it's not of them, is it? Yeah, they're doing some dribbling drills. They're not putting up shots. I had to watch the video again. They're in the gym. Royce is uh, Royce is doing some dribbling drills, and so is David Duke Jr. So that's that's a nice video, and that gym looks fucking awesome. I don't know if that's a, that's a Nets off-season facility they're working out in. It's definitely not. It's definitely somewhere else because I'm seeing a bunch of jerseys up there. But uh, it's great to see guys putting in the work, you know, while the while the playoffs are still going on, the finals are still going on. So shout-out to Royce O'Neal and David Duke Jr., two guys that, you know, I, I, I thought Royce had a pretty solid season for the Nets. Obviously, David Duke Jr. didn't see the floor too much. Um, but two guys I, I respect and and I, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed them in Nets uniforms up to this point. 
The Ben Simmons comeback tour begins. Well, it, it began a few weeks ago, but there was a picture of him doing some weight training shirtless with ctsportscience.com. This is the biggest question mark for the Brooklyn Nets. If Ben Simmons can come back and he's anything remotely close to what he was in Philadelphia, that is something that can change the landscape of the Eastern Conference. Ben Simmons is right, both mentally and physically. He is able to improve everybody's value on this team. And he's a he's an upper echelon defender as well. He's a guy who can run the offense. Here's what I don't want to see. I don't want to see Ben Simmons playing the four anymore. I don't want to see him playing the five either. And if you're going to play him at the five, then I don't know if Nick Claxton can be on this team. That's the other part of it. I don't see a starting five with Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton that can truly compete. And I say that because those are two guys that don't shoot the three well. I, I'm repeating myself. I said this on last week's podcast. If, if you listened last week, uh, you're probably thinking, Spencer, you've said this before, but I just don't see it. Today's NBA, where the three-point shot is so important and so vital, and the Nets had about nine three-point shooters on the roster this past season, give or take, with, with all the different guys that were on the squad, you can't play two guys that that are terrible at, at shooting the basketball. Nick Claxton... <laughs> Can shoot the ball great if he's within the lane, right? I think his, his field goal, um, his two point field goal efficiency is extremely high, one of the highest in the league. But that's because he shoots around the rim. He's not hitting three pointers for you. He's not hitting mid range jumpers for you. And Ben Simmons has never been a fan of of shooting the basketball outside the paint, so that bothers me. But having said that, if, if Simmons can can reclaim some of that just overall drive he had in Philadelphia. And, and his physical health comes back, he is a guy who who can truly take this Nets team from a six seed. Maybe he elevates them to a three or four seed. I'm excited, but again, I'm not going to believe any of this until I actually see him do it in a preseason basketball game. If I can see Ben go 15, 12, and 12 in a preseason basketball game and he doesn't look skittish and, and he looks like he's moving well and, and, and the explosiveness is back, I will be very excited for that. And by the way, his value is so low right now, it doesn't make sense for, for Sean Marks to look to move him until he starts to play better. Okay. Obviously, we can't do a Nets episode without talking about a guy who's not a Brooklyn Net yet, might be in the coming future, and that's Damian Lillard. The Post has reported that the Nets' interest in dealing for Damian Lillard is very real. Can you have a lineup with Damian Lillard and Ben Simmons? Probably not. If you acquire Damian Lillard, I'm sure Ben Simmons gets moved in that deal, maybe to a third team. Um, I've talked myself into wanting Damian Lillard to come to Brooklyn. He's buddies with Mikhail Bridges. He is one of the best shooters in the last 10 years. Think about that for a second. We're not talking Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson, Mike Miller, uh, Sam Hauser on the Celtics. We're not talking about catch and shoot shooters. We're talking about a player in the same caliber as Steph Curry, who can shoot off the dribble, who has ice in his veins. I don't know about you guys, but I have been re-watching that shot he hit against Paul George in the Thunder all those years back. Two steps in from half court, calls game, and my favorite part about that was Paul George refused to accept 
that that happened. He goes to the presser in the postgame. He goes, yeah, that was a bad shot. No, not for Damian Lillard. Maybe for 99.8% of the rest of the NBA, that is a bad shot. But for two guys, Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, and occasionally Klay Thompson, that is not a bad shot. So is Damian Lillard a little bit older now? Has he dealt with some injuries these past few seasons? Yes and yes. Is he a guy who I would welcome to the Nets who does not invite that off-season drama, on-the-court drama that we've seen from recent superstars who have donned a Brooklyn Nets uniform? I don't think he does. I think he's of the same mindset of Mikael Bridges. They're both chill guys that like to hoop. So at this point, I've talked myself into the Damian Lillard option in, in Brooklyn. We have a lot of first-round picks we can play with. See, here's the problem. It makes way too much sense for the Blazers. I'm sorry, this is a problem for, for, for Portland. It, it makes way too much sense for them to do a deal, right? They have the number three pick in the draft. They are going to be in full rebuild mode before you know it. They're not going to build a contender around Damian Lillard. There's nobody. Even if you put, if you somehow got Jalen Brown in a trade with the Celtics and you put him and Dame together. Is that team really that good in the West? Probably not. I don't even think those guys really mesh. So I think I think Damian Lillard just makes too much sense in Brooklyn. The Blazers can use the picks. The Nets have a ton of them. If you're able to don a trio of Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Damian Lillard, you work around the rest of your team. You might have to give up a Ben Simmons. You might have to give up a Nick Claxton. But if you can start with that core, I think that's a team in the East that people would be scared of. I truly believe that. So I've talked myself into it. Damian Lillard coming to Brooklyn. Book it. All right. Got two more segments. Number one, the Bruce Brown interview on the Dan Lebitard show recently was very eye-opening for Nets fans. So there were two things he said. I'll start with the less eye-opening one. But he said that once James Harden left, and 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 asked out and was traded to Philadelphia. He said the locker room was quiet. He said nobody did much together. And he called James Harden one of the best teammates he ever had and said that he was a different breed. So as someone who criticized Harden a lot when he asked out how he handled his departure from Brooklyn, this was pretty interesting to read. Um, I get it. I, I understand that Harden is probably a, a good guy to have on your squad. He he shares the ball. He's one of the best passers in the league. He led the league in assists. He seems like a guy who builds up his teammates more than brings them down. Um, and you saw that in a game against Phoenix about two years ago when he absolutely popped off with Landry Shamit as his second best player. And he was able to will the Nets to a victory. Um but I still hate the performance he gave in that Sacramento Kings game. I think that will always have a sour taste in, in Nets fans' mouths. And I think that he should have finished the season. He should have just finished the season with KD and Kyrie. Um, I'm so tired of these guys. And obviously, I'm a Nets fan. So nobody's gone through this more than more than me and, and my fellow Nets fans. I'm so tired of these guys asking out in the middle of the season, right before the trade deadline. 
is it going to kill you to finish out the season with a team that you have a contract with? Is it going to kill you to play in front of these fans for three more months and maybe compete for a championship? Like Harden can be the best teammate in the world. If I, if I was Bruce Brown, if I was any of Harden's teammates during those months, I'd still resent him. I'd still have an issue with the fact that he left us and our, our collective goal to win a championship to basically be in what he thought was a better situation. And by the way, hindsight's twenty twenty. How, how how did that work out for him? Okay, the Sixers have, have gone farther than the Nets, one round farther. Cool. He got Joel, MV, uh, Joel Embiid an MVP. Awesome. Still no championship. He still has not won a championship. And by the way, when all the pressure was on James Harden in that series against the Celtics, he faltered. Do you guys think maybe he would have fared better if, if he had KD and, and Kyrie as his support system in Brooklyn so he didn't have to shoulder the scoring load? Probably. I digress. I thought that was an extremely eye-opening quote by by Brown about Harden, and uh, I respect Harden as, as, as a teammate. Look, I, I don't play in the NBA, so I can't have Brown's perspective. But as a fan and someone who played, who paid close attention to this Nets team, uh, despite all of Kyrie's antics and, and everything that apparently was was going on between KD and Harden as well, I still think Harden Harden should have toughed it out. That's just how I feel. And then the second quote that that Bruce Brown had, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but you know they asked him a question. Didn't you think it was? Are you looking back at, at the Nets front office and, and laughing at the fact that they didn't offer you a deal because you're just you're playing so well in Denver. You're, you're about to compete for, for an NBA title is you just look back on the Nets front office and think, wow, that was what a miss on their end. And Bruce Brown said, from everything I was told, the front office wanted me back. Sean Marks, Joe Sy, those, those guys wanted me back. And they said, well, why didn't you get an offer? He goes, well, there were other people that didn't want me back. Okay. Well, who were those other people? Ah, I'm not going to say, think about that. There were other people that did not want Bruce Brown back in Brooklyn, which is why Sean Marks and Josiah didn't offer him a contract. Who were those other people? They were Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant didn't want Bruce Brown back in Brooklyn for whatever reason. And the Nets gave Patty Mills a deal instead of Bruce Brown. Ladies and gentlemen, there is a reason why players don't make roster decisions for their respective teams. I think the only guy in the league that should have a decent say in roster decisions is LeBron James. Why? Because he's, he's made it happen before with his guys in Cleveland, in LA, in Miami. He is someone who absolutely should have a say when it comes to building a team around him because he's, he's the outlier. He's the exception. How many finals has he been to in his career? How many, how many times has he missed the playoffs? Was it four times in, in 20 seasons? So outside of LeBron James, superstars should should really let their general manager make basketball make basketball decisions. Look at what Bruce Brown's doing in Denver. It, it, it's just this guy could have been on the Nets, yet we listened to our superstar who didn't want him, and now he's kicking ass about to win a title. I, I thought that was a, a wild thing for Bruce Brown to put out there, um, but obviously he doesn't give a shit. What does he care? He doesn't play with, with KD and Kyrie anymore. And also, KD's got to feel kind of dumb. Bruce Brown's a really good player. He's a really talented player. I, I don't – I that bothered me. Hearing that, I almost would have felt better if I knew it was Marks that didn't want him back. 
Anyway, final news of the day. This isn't particularly Nets related yet, but Bob Myers stepping down as president of basketball operations for the Golden State Warriors. Bob Myers has been one of the most successful team orchestrators in the league. Uh, he was the guy who who basically created the culture in Golden State with Steph, Draymond, and Clay. He was the guy that brought in Steve Kerr and brought in Kevin Durant. Drafted Jordan Poole, champion. You know, Bob Myers has been one of the, if not the best front office employee in the NBA over the past 15 seasons. He's been incredible. It is so hard to sustain championship level basketball. You saw the Spurs do it for about 15 seasons. You saw the Heat do it for a little bit. You saw the Cavs do it for a little bit. You saw, you saw the Warriors do it for a long bit. So shout out to Bob Myers, an incredible tenure uh, with the Warriors. And this, this opens up a lot of questions. Will Bob Myers continue his career or will he retire? And a lot of people think if he's looking for a challenge, if he's looking for a new destination, Brooklyn might be the place for Bob Myers. Could you imagine, Nets fans? If we get Bob Myers to come in here, basically become our president of basketball operations, you, Sean Marks can keep his title as GM, but that would be an absolute game changer. It just would be. Bob Myers is a guy who has great relationships with players. You see the way he talks about Draymond Green. You see the way he talks about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They 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 love him. They relate to him. They 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 have these these conversations, you know, about life, about basketball. That's who I want in the Nets organization. I want a guy that the players not only respect, but they get along with and they appreciate. So I would I would be absolutely thrilled if, if the Nets were to somehow land Bob Myers. Uh, I've seen a, a ton on Twitter. Um, there are some links there, um, but we'll see. Uh, I'm just speculating. So to summarize this entire episode, I want Damian Lillard on the Nets. I want Bob Myers as our president of basketball operations. And uh, I want to see the Nets go all in. There's no time like the present. We're not getting any younger as fans. I'm, I'm 30 years old. I've been watching this Nets team since I was a six-year-old kid. I lived through the Jason Kidd years. They were awesome. I lived through the uh, pre-KG Paul Pierce years and the post-KG Paul Pierce years. They were terrible. I've watched guys like Richard Jefferson, Vince Carter, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez, Kenyon Martin, um, come and go. I I think we as Nets fans, and again, we, we've now dealt with this superstar era where we saw KD, Kyrie, and James Harden all come here for however long they came here, and it didn't work out. I'm ready for a new era of Brooklyn Nets basketball. I'm ready for us to finally stop and build something here in Brooklyn that we've been talking about and we've been wanting ever since we had a glimpse of hope with those D'Angelo Russell, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Joe Harris teams. We all knew that that team wasn't going to win a championship, but we saw promise there. And when KD and Kyrie came in, it was straight to, oh, we're winning championships. We all said that. I wasn't the only one who said that. Everybody thought that we were going to win championships. Nets fans, not Nets haters, 
everybody in the league thought we were going to win multiple championships. And what did that teach you? You can't just build a team with, with two superstars and, and fill in the rest. You have to have some type of culture. You have to have some type of chemistry. There has to be a respect there. That, that's an important word. Bob Myers gets respect from the guys who, who, who have played in Golden State. So that's 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 about it. I, I've shared all my thoughts with you. This was a, a solo Spenny Harris episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to another ep of Fireside Nets brought to you by Empire Sports Media. Shout out to our guys over there at ESM. Shout out to Alex Wilson. Uh, shout out to my brother Nick. He will be back again. His show is June 10th at the Players Theater. Go buy tickets. I Mostly Blame Myself is the name of the show. Follow them on Instagram. Search them on Google. Uh, you can always follow us at Fireside Nets on Twitter, on Instagram. I appreciate everyone for listening. And as always, catch you on the fireside.